0: But there am. Hello. Good morning, church. Man, I'm glad you're here. I want to tell you, I'm going to miss you next Sunday. Uh, I had committed before I uh, came to Allen to do some mission work next week in a foreign land, and uh, I'll be preaching in Oklahoma. And so, uh, I will miss you next Sunday. But I am so glad you're here today. I hope you have your Bibles, you'll open them, please, to John 14, Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to start reading at verse 1, some very familiar words to almost everyone, regardless of how familiar you are with your Bible, you're probably familiar with these words, John 14. We're going to start at verse 1 in just a minute. Everybody got it? Say, got it. Not there yet? Say, wait. Okay, here we go. As we come into November, as has already been referenced, we come into the months of the holiday season. And while for many of us those are very exciting days, for many of us, they're not. For many of us, the holiday season brings a whole lot of pain. Some of us are going into the holiday season this year for the first time without a loved one. Some of us may be going into the holiday season this year for the first time without a mate. Some of us may be going the holiday season without a job. Some of us may be going a holiday season having been betrayed by someone you cared about a lot. And the holidays bring to you, rather than joy and celebration, holidays bring for you for the most part a knot in your stomach. As we sometimes refer to it in the preaching world, many of us come here this morning with heart trouble. Amen? Not physical heart trouble, but the heartbreak and the heartache and the heart disappointment that just happens with living life. And if I had the x-ray vision of the mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent and could look into your heart this morning many of us would have to admit, man, this is a tough time of year for me. I got some heart trouble this morning. Jesus has got a word for you today. Let me give you the context of John 14. He's in the upper room with the the 12. One has just been dismissed, Judas. Judas. Jesus has been trying to tell these guys for months what is about to happen. They still don't quite get it. John's gospel tells us on several occasions they wouldn't understand until after the resurrection. And I'm sure a lot of it they wouldn't understand until Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came. And they don't quite get it. They don't understand. Jesus had said to them at the table, one of you is going to betray me. You're all going to forsake me. Simon Peter, if you take all the gospel accounts together, in protest says, well, Lord, they may all betray you. They may all walk away. But I won't if I have to. I'll die for you. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, Peter, before the cock crows, You're gonna deny you know me three times. Well, that was that was unthinkable for Simon Peter. These guys are sitting around the table, they can feel the weight of the heartache that's going on in Jesus. Because it is said he is deeply troubled. The shadow that's been of the cross that's been growing over his life for all these years, has now come to the place where it's time for him to go to a cross. He's less than 12 hours away from the crucifixion. And these guys sitting around the table feel, I'm sure, much like some of us do as we approach the holidays, their hearts are troubled. They don't quite know what to do about it. And so Jesus moves in to try to give them and us. Some encouragement. Here's what he says Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms, many Dwelling places. The old King James says many what? Mansions. My Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may know where I am. This morning, you come in with heart trouble. The holidays put a knot in your stomach. You're troubled about job, career, kids, finances, grief, and a whole host of other things. Here's the first word Jesus says. When your heart doesn't understand, Trust me. Listen, they weren't going to understand. They still didn't understand. He had been trying to tell them and explain to them, and they didn't get it. And he's still trying to say to them, listen, listen, this is all part of the plan. But when you don't understand, here's the one thing I want you to do. I want you to trust me. Man, church, that's some really good advice for us. You know it? Jesus is saying, listen, when they come and arrest me in Gethsemane and bind my hands and lead me out and you all scatter during the night, listen, trust me. When they take me through the mockery of trial after trial, through the night and early in the morning, trust me. When they bring me before Pilate and then to Herod and then back to Pilate, listen, trust me. When they go and bend me over a stump and scourge me until until the skin is hanging in ribbons from my back, trust me. When they march me out to a hill called Golgotha and they nail me to a cross and I hang there until I die and they take me out and bury me in a borrowed tomb trust me because all of it is part of the plan as the old sermon once said it was Friday Sunday's coming trust me church there's so many things in life that I just I don't understand. I don't understand. There's so many times when I go to God and I say, God, I I don't get this. I don't understand why children get cancer and die. I don't understand that. I don't understand why a young mom or a young dad taken from his family before their their time by, by a disease or by a freak accident. I mean, I don't understand that. I don't understand why a man would leave a woman he's committed his life to to go off with someone else and leave her in ashes. I don't understand that. When your heart doesn't understand this morning, Jesus has a word for you. Trust. Trust. Secondly, when your heart wavers, remember your room. When your heart wavers, remember your room. In my Father's house are many rooms, dwelling places, it, it has, it carries with it the idea of permanency. And Jesus says, In my father's house are some dwelling places, some permanent places of dwelling for you. Every once in a while, when we drive out to Midland or to Abilene, we drive out Interstate 20. We pass by a little podunk town the other side of Eastland called Cisco, Texas. My grandparents lived in Cisco, Texas. My mom's parents lived in Cisco, Texas their whole lives. My mom was born and brought home to the house that my grandparents lived in more than 60 years. Every once in a while, Marcia and I, every few years, we'll jump off the interstate and we'll drive down Main Street and we'll hook a left and go back into the neighborhood and we'll find the old house. And we'll drive up in front, and there it is. The house that that my grandparents lived in more than 60 years. My parents were married in that house on Christmas Day, 1942. When I was born, they brought me home from the hospital to that house. My mom was born in Cisco. My dad was born in Cisco. I was born in Cisco. And they brought me to that house. And every once in a while, we'll pull up in, in front and we'll look at it and we'll look at the big oak tree next door and we'll, we'll reminisce about that old house. But let me tell you something. Somebody else lives in that house. As it turns out, that old home that I thought was, per, was, was a forever deal as a kid growing up, it was just a temporary residence. I want to tell you something. One of these days, one of these days... My Jesus is going to come get me and he's going to say, Ronnie, your room is ready. And I'm going home. And it's going to feel like home for the first time. Jesus says, listen, I'm preparing for you a room. And the day is going to come when he's going to knock on your door and say, your room is ready. It's time for you to come home. And brothers and sisters, there will never be a day like that one because we're going to go to the room that he himself has prepared especially for us. Our son married into a great family. I tell him all the time, son, you, you... You outkicked your coverage by quite a bit. He has got a great wife. We love her as our own. She grew up in the same youth group that he grew up in, Quail Springs in Oklahoma City. We've known her and her family many years before Jeff and Robbie ever started dating. Well, Robbie has a brother who's married. They have a little girl named Dean who is three years old. And last Monday night, they had a new deal. As far as I was concerned, I never heard of this. It was called a reveal party. How it works, because if you're old like I am, you need someone to explain this to you. How it works, she is pregnant with their second child. They don't yet know what gender that child is. And so it was time for them to go and have the sonogram done to reveal whether it was a boy or a girl. But they didn't tell Chaz and Bonnie. They were, they were instructed, the nurse, the technician who was doing the sonogram to, to put the identity, I mean the gender of the baby on a sheet of paper, seal an envelope, and hand it to them. And that night they had the whole family over. Last Monday night had a great big party that they called the reveal party. And when everybody was there, they opened up the envelope. Mom, dad, grandparents, everybody found out at the same time. It's a girl. And her name is going to be Andy. And the planning has already started. The nursery is already being prepared. Because next spring... Bonnie is going to have a little girl, and they're starting to prepare the room for her because when Andy gets here, her room is going to be ready. Now, we understand that in a human level, right? A boy in a much higher, holier way, that's exactly what's happening in heaven for he is preparing a room for us. And one of these days, he's going to come and say, your room is ready. Come on home with me. I don't know about you, but when I don't understand and my heart is breaking and disappointed, that really helps me get through the day. Remember your room. Here's the last thing he says to his disciples. When your heart doubts, remember who awaits you. When your heart doubts, remember who awaits you. He says... If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where? Hello? Is anybody here? I will take you to be with me. I'll take you to be with me so that where I am, you may also be. One of these days, church, Jesus is coming again. You say, when? I don't know. But I need to tell you this. Neither does anybody else. All that stuff you hear on the television and all the books you read about, prophecy about, they know when. Listen, Jesus himself said, I don't know the date. Only the Father knows. about the fact that he's coming again and it's going to happen. Listen, nobody knows. We don't know much about what heaven is going to be either. I think the New Testament writers struggled with with trying to communicate the, 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 the infinite joy and beauty of heaven to the finite mind of man. Sometimes heaven is described as a place where where the things that we wrestle with and struggle with are no longer going to be present. For example, there's going to be no more mourning or crying or death or pain anymore for the former things that passed away. There'll be no cemeteries in heaven. There'll be no hearse in heaven. Start to say there'll be no funeral directors in heaven, but that may sound a little judgmental. Uh, (laughs) I I don't mean it that way, but there'll be no need for funeral directors in heaven. Why? Because death is no more. There'll be no cemeteries to blight the the hillsides of heaven because death is over. There'll be no hospitals in heaven because we're going to be in the presence of the healer. Sometimes they describe heaven as being a place where the things that we think are precious in this world, where there's going to be a multitude of it. One of our most precious metals is gold. Listen, they use that stuff to pave the streets with in heaven. I've got a wrought iron gate right outside my back door that leads into the backyard. In heaven, those things are made of pearl. I've got a, I got a wooden fence that kind of gives us a little bit of privacy, a wooden wall, if you will. Well, the walls in heaven are made of jasper. The economy in heaven is way different than the economy that I'm familiar with. And if you were to ask me about heaven, I would have to say to you, man, there's a whole lot about heaven I don't know much about. But there's one thing that makes everything worthwhile. He is there. This one that I committed my life to, this one I've sung about, this one I've prayed through, this this one that I have studied, this one that I have followed all these years, one of these days I'm going to see him face to face. And the fact that he's there, that makes it worth the while. He says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to bring you to be with me so that where I am, you're going to be awesome. Dwight L. Moody was one of the great evangelists of the 19th century. Died in 1899. There's no telling how many thousands of people D. L. Moody led to Christ. No telling. He had in his church a young widow whose husband had tragically fallen sick and died. They had a little girl, about four or five years old. Dwight Moody wasn't quite sure if she was four or five, but a young girl and this young widow in his church in Chicago. A young mom got sick, terribly sick, and they took her to the hospital. And while she was at the hospital, D.L. Moody said that this little girl stayed with one of the families in his church. They were close friends of that family. And this little girl came and stayed with them while mom was in the hospital. Well, the illness turned in the wrong direction and she got pneumonia and she died. And here's this, this couple trying to, to deal with, how do you explain that to, to the little girl, four or five years old? They went to her house to pick up some things to bring back to the house where they lived And the little girl started running through the house, shouting at the top of her voice, Mommy! 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 And she went from from room to room while this couple is watching and their heart is breaking. And finally, this dad gets down on one knee and tears are filling his eyes and rolling down his face and he calls that little girl over there and grabs her by the shoulders and he says, Sweetheart, Sweetheart, listen. Mommy isn't here And mommy is not ever coming back. Mommy went to be with God in heaven. And she started to cry. And she looked at him and she said, then I don't want to stay in this house. I want to go to your house. You know what she was saying? If mommy's not here, this house means nothing to me. And I think that when it talks about Jesus being in heaven, if he weren't there, heaven wouldn't hold much meaning for us. Church, we're going to go be with him. We're going to go look at him face to face. When my heart starts to doubt, I need to remember who's awaiting me because I will forever, forever be at home with him. When your heart doesn't understand, trust. When your heart wavers, think about the room he's fixing up for you. When your heart doubts, remember who awaits you, the king of kings, and the Lord of Lords will invite us into his presence forever. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. Amen? Let's pray together. God, our Father, I know oftentimes we put on our church clothes and our plastic smiles and we come in with a fine yes and how are you when inside our hearts are breaking and disappointed, betrayed, anxious, going through difficulty. God, I pray that you're going to speak to the heart trouble that's present here this morning in this church family. God, would you remind us that whenever things happen in life we don't understand, help us to trust that somehow you know the better part of the plan. God, when our heart starts wavering, I pray you'll help us remember the room that he is preparing just for us. This one who called the universe into existence with his word is preparing a place for each of us. God, help us remember. We're going to be with him. And I pray your encouraging spirit might be at work in the lives of these who are discouraged. And that your hope might fill us today when we leave this place. That the people of the world who live around us, work around us, play around us, might see the light of hope that shines from us and might ask, how do you get that? God, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Marty has got a special announcement for us this morning. Marty?